Well, grace and peace to you today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we get started this morning, let us join together, and specifically as we, we begin to worship, I, I pray that our hearts may be lightened and focused on this text from Psalms 18, verses 1 through 7 and 17 through 19. Join with me in the call and response this morning. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors, our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Let us pray this morning. Eternal God of power and grace, who comes to us in surprising ways, in angels' appearances, in defeat of enemies, and in resurrection from the dead, show us the face of Emmanuel in our times. Bring us from fear to awe, we pray, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I forgot to put in the slide for the announcements and stuff, but as we uh, begin this fourth Sunday of Advent, I would remind us that we, we have the, the candles that we use to signify the, the Advent wreath, and so we, we have hope that first comes, and then we have preparation. And last week we talked about joy. And now this week is love. There are announcements. If you want to, grab your bulletin in the back. Specifically on the back of it is your, your announcements for what's coming up. We have Christmas Eve service this Saturday because Christmas is coming. Uh, it is next Sunday, so we are doing Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock, and then we will have our Christmas morning brunch at 9.30, followed by service at the normal time of 10.45 here in the sanctuary, and so come for that, and then also starting on January 8th, we're going to start a new series of classes for Sunday school that is uh, going to be about church practices, the, the, the rituals of the church. And, and we're going to be starting with baptism. And so for those of you who are interested, I have a little sheet because there is homework, uh, little scripture verses to read so that you prepare yourself. So if you need that, please see me um, and I will get this to you so that you have it available. Um, it's very, very simple. All you do is you're going to read the verses and then you're going to write a single sentence about what that verse was saying. It's, it's very simple, but that way when we come together for the lesson, 
we are all prepared and we kind of have our minds ready to go on the topic and we can talk about it more completely without having to spend all that time going back through the verses. So um, with that also, there is on the in the back in the hallway, there's a board. If you uh, are able to help this family in need, uh, Kristen um, has a family from their school that is in need of stuff for this Christmas. If you can, if you want to get something, drop it off to Kristen sometime this week. Um, so that she can get it to the family. With that, uh, let us go to our first reading today. It is in Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. If someone is willing to read that, it will be up here on the screen if you would like to read it from here. This is, <laughs> this is the word of the Lord, and together we say thanks be to God. Join us as we begin with songs of praise to our Lord this morning as uh, the praise team comes forward and gets situated. Well, good morning, everybody. If you would like to stand as we um, begin our worship and song this morning, you may. Um, our first song is the Revelation song. So join with us as we begin our worship. Sing a new song to him who sits. 
This is the word of the Lord. Together we all say thanks be to God. Our um, next song as we continue our worship this morning is um, You Are My King, Amazing Love. So join with us as we continue to just worship um, God this morning. Oh 
before the, the prayer and, and <coughs> sermon and communion and all that, all of the rest of our service this morning, um, we're going to sing, draw me close, and just let this be your prayer today, um, that we may be drawn closer to God, um, and that he's all that we ever need and all we've ever wanted. So join with us as we sing. <coughs>
got this. <laughs> Go ahead and uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. We're going to be reading chapter 1, verses 1 through verse 7 this morning as we continue on in this fourth Sunday of Advent. If you are able, I ask that you please stand for the reading of God's word today in Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. It says this, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel according, uh, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord, and together we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray this morning. As your Holy Spirit spoke to Mary, the mother of our Lord, speak to us now through your word, that by hearing we too may receive faith and be strengthened to do your will. I'm going to be honest. So like this, this scripture, as I came to it today for the lectionary, I, I was reading it and I thought, I don't want to try to preach on an introduction to a book. I am the kind of person who generally skips the introductions to books. I have learned in the kinds of books that I read that the introduction is very, very important. But earlier on in my life, I always thought the introduction was kind of pointless because I'm reading the book. You're going to tell me exactly everything that I need to know. So the introduction to introduce everything is kind of pointless for me to read. So I can save 15, 20 minutes by not reading it. Um, but I've learned, I've grown since then. And as I come to this introduction, um, there's something that stuck out to me that I, I think, first of all, we, we should point out, we should talk about. You see, in, in our age, we live in a world of quick communication now, right? Any of us can pull out our phones and we can quickly send a message off to anyone else around the world. And we can just say, hey, how's it going? What's up? I need this. Pick that up from the grocery store. Do this. I need that. We have uh, taken communication and we have depersonalized it in ways that have continued to uh, show less concern, less love towards the people that we are communicating with. And that is, is something that is concerning to myself, someone who makes a practice of living off from words, that we have become a society that shows so little concern. We are more about getting the quick message off to someone else Instead of taking the time to embrace the, the deeper idea of communication. And so when we look at this message and we, we have this introduction, it should pause 
it should cause us to pause for a second and to look at this and say, okay, so what can we learn from here? This is, this is obviously important because unlike today where it's very easy to type out messages, to send a speech or whatever have you, it was not quick, it was not simple, it was not cheap to write these words down originally. It was very expensive, and you had to have someone, a scribe, someone who knew how to write, because not everyone in that day knew how to write. They did not know how to form all the letters or how to form the structures, or especially when you start getting into the Greek and Hebrew, to know how to uh, modify the different forms of the words to get the right kind of tense and participles and all that fun stuff that you learn when you study languages. Paul barely knew how to write. He did not write most of his own letters. There are only a few that we know for sure that he actually composed himself. And so we, we come to this saying, if it was so important then to write down, we should take the time to study it. So that's what we're going to do today. Now, this introduction is actually the longest introduction of any of Paul's letters. And there's a reason for that, at least most scholars believe that there's a reason for that, which is likely due to the fact that Paul had never visited the church in Rome. He had, at this point, been wanting to get there, but he had not been able to actually make progress to Rome. He was actually hoping to go through Rome into Spain, but all that was waylaid when he was captured and prosecuted and uh, put on trial for false accusations against the temple and the Jews, and eventually found himself in Rome, waiting trial to be killed by the emperor. Um, but that, that's neither here nor there at this moment. What we see, though, is that Paul is spending the time here to build the foundation for why the people in Rome should listen to him. Which is kind of important, because he is someone who has a message to share. Especially the book of Romans is thought to be one of the... <coughs> Excuse me, is thought to be one of the most uh, complete and holistic ideas of what we call uh, Christology, which is the, the study of Christ. Paul gives the, the best argument for who Christ is in this book. And it is one of the most complex books, minus that of the book of Hebrews, in our entire New Testament. And so he is laying the foundation for why what he has to say Now, the church in Rome was most likely founded by someone like Aquila and Priscilla, which we know about in the book of Acts. Uh, they were uh, a husband and wife duo who went about preaching and teaching and building churches just like Paul. Um, one of my professors from college would often tease that they were also the writers of all the books that we have question marks about who the authorship is, just because he loved to cause chaos. And so he would say, oh, it was, it was them. I, I know for sure. Uh, there was no actual justification for it. He just wanted to throw it out there. And, and, and if you know the college that I went to, it's a Christian church, Church of College. They have things about women in ministry, and so to have a book being written by a woman would be like controversial in that denomination. So it, it was funny uh, for us. The important thing, though, to know about the, the structure of the Roman church was that it was made up of a good consistency of both Jews and Greeks. Unlike some churches that were predominantly Jewish or predominantly Greek, 
this was a very good blend of both of them. And, and that means that they were having to learn how to work together in their understanding of who Christ is because the Jews were bringing in all the baggage of the Messiah, trying to work that stuff out. But then the Greeks were bringing in all their baggage of, of the, the pagan religions that they were coming from, trying to figure out then who this Jesus was. And so we had this church that was beautifully merging these two uh, cultures, trying to bring harmony to different understandings. Which is very good to see, but that's also why Paul spends such a long time, as we read through the book of Romans, trying to explain how the law of the Jews works and, and how the, the idea of, the, again, the Christology, the study of Christ, the, the idea of who Christ is, how that affects everything that we understand in our life, because he's helping them merge these ideas together. Now, there's a couple of points here that we can pull from in this introduction that are, are fairly important. First off, we get this very primitive but holistic idea of what the gospel is. You see, as Christians, we have one primary duty, which is to proclaim the gospel of Christ. Gospel simply means good news. In fact, I, I teach with Amy uh, earlier this week, and I said, you know, if I really wanted to, to meet the bare minimum requirements of my my, my job um, is to stand up here and say Christ died, rose again, so that we might live for the kingdom of God. Amen. Peace out. Like that. That's literally like that. That's the that's the gospel. That is the good news. And and as long as I profess that. I have done what I am supposed to do. Now, of course, we want to go deeper. We want to have more understanding. We want to uh, develop a, a more holistic idea so that obviously I'm going to go into more details and teachings. But when it push comes to shove, the gospel of Christ can be boiled down to even what Paul writes here, where he says uh, in verse 3, the gospel concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So right there we have Jesus, who was professed to be fully man, coming from the line of David. So we know that he is a human, he is in flesh, which we've talked about in previous times, why that was so important, especially with the Gnostics who were trying to push this idea that Spiritual is good, physical is bad, and so Jesus wasn't really physical, he was only spiritual. No, we, we come to this and we, we profess that Jesus was born, he lived, he died. He was very physical in his nature so that he could bear our burdens just as we are physical, he could bear them. But he was not just fully man, he was also fully God. And we declare that by the power of the spirit of holiness through with the resurrection from the dead. We see that Jesus was raised and we know that that is something that people do not normally do. And, and so we bring that together and we say, so he becomes Lord. Which that term that Jesus is Lord, that Christ is our Lord, is, is so much more than just this phrase of like, that we, we, we talk about, that we sing about. You know, we, we sing, right? Did I have, Jesus, you are my king. Yeah, amazing love. 
you are my king. Like, we, we say that, but we have never lived in a country where there was a kingship. And we've never lived in a country where the, the monarchy was, like, actually in power. Like, you think in the mid medieval ages where, like, the king actually had power on, like, today in, like, Great Britain where it's just more parliament and all that stuff. When we make the profession that Jesus is our king, that he is our lord, we are making a political statement. We are making an economical statement. We are making a, a profession of allegiance to someone other than who is around us. When we say Jesus is Lord, that means that we are saying in the United States, it, our wallets, our bank accounts aren't. We are saying that even my own family takes second place to Jesus. Everything then becomes in submission to Christ. So when we make that statement, we are making a very provocative statement about what we believe and how we choose to live our lives. It's not just some good feeling where we get to say, yeah, we love Jesus, so he's our Lord. It is no, because we love Jesus, we are going to live our lives differently. We are going to speak differently. We are going to handle our money differently. We are going to choose our priorities differently. And so this is the, the statement that he is building up and, and he is beginning to, to make. And this is very provocative. Again, I, 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 that word was thrown around this past week with me and my mentor. And so it's kind of stuck in my, my brain. <coughs> but it, it, is, it is very provocative because, again, he is writing to the church in Rome. Where was the Roman emperor located? Rome. And he is saying, and we've declared that Christ is Lord, which means the emperor is not. So this is a very challenging statement for the church to grab onto in this time. Along with that, we come to this idea of calling. You see, God loves to call people. In fact, God is calling all people. That is the whole point of Christ coming and dying and being raised again so that all people might be called onto uh, himself to be reconciled. That is what salvation is meant to do, is to bring all people back into right relationship with God. And so God is actively trying to call people. And, and we have this idea of call, and we talk about this, and we look at books like Romans, and we hear of call, and we confuse sometimes this, this idea of calling. You see, God does love to call people for specific things. There are people who are called in life to be pastors, to be missionaries. There are people who are called in life to, to achieve certain tasks, like Paul was where he was going out to proclaim the message to all the Gentiles. But so often we take that and we then say, or we make it feel as if in the church then, that everyone who does not have one of these special calls does not have any kind of call whatsoever. And that is not the case. You see, God is not just calling a few people to do the task. The kingdom of God is not like how the world functions, where 20% of people do 80% of the work. The kingdom of God is structured in such a way where 100% of the people are supposed to do 100% of the work. 
and actually it would be more like everyone's doing the work and we're able to do even more because that's when you start talking about how the way the kingdom works it gets really fuzzy because god gets to do these crazy things with statistics and numbers that that like doesn't work like economically if if we all give a hundred dollars somehow then that it would it would multiply even more than what we we would have and if we give all of our effort somehow all the effort would become more than what all the effort combined actually equals the way the kingdom works is, is very strange because of how god chooses to do it but that's 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 god's deal what we are called to it's just to be present to, to be a part of it and so we see here Paul, he is declaring to them that everyone is called in Christ. In verse 6, he says, including yourselves. You were called to this, this gospel, this idea of proclaiming who Christ is. You were called to it, to belong to Jesus. And so we have this general call for all people to confess that Jesus is Lord, to become a part of of the way, part of the kingdom. And this is something that I want us to grasp onto today, especially as we wrap up this idea of Advent, where we are talking about the anticipation of Christ's coming. To realize that all people are called means that no one is left out. There is not a single person that we get to neglect. There's not a single person that we get to cast aside and say, well, they don't quite fit here. They don't quite have a we're not quite comfortable with them being here. That's not the case because the call is for all people. And what we get to see from this, as specifically what Paul is doing here, is, is something beautiful, you see, because God's call then it enables us. Because so often we, we think that we, we have to have certain skill sets, we have to have certain abilities, and so when we don't feel like we have them, especially when you start talking about proclaiming the gospel, you say, well, I'm not a good public speaker, or I don't really remember scripture the way that some people do. God enables those whom he calls. Think about Paul for a second. He's writing to a church, a very difficult letter about combining these two ideas of, of Greek life and Jewish life and, and how all of it comes into submission under Christ to a church that is in the epicenter of the Roman Empire, the war machine, the, the, the emperor who is seeking to kill Christians. He is writing this letter to them, to strangers, people he has never met before. has enabled him to have this kind of love for people that he has never met. People he has never been able to, to actually like have conversations with. He has such a deep, compassionate love for them. Imagine, church, if just for a moment, we as a body allowed God to enable us to love people like that, where that even if we did not know them, even if we did not have their, their backgrounds, their stories as, as a part of our lives, even if we had no clue who they were, we had such a burning compassion and desire to help them. What would that change? How would that change our attitude? 
let alone how would that change our attitude towards one another as we learn to live and grow together. If we are filled with this, this deep, compassionate love that comes from God's calling. On top of that, God's calling it enables us to persevere during trials and tribulations through, through issues that we are, are working through and, and problems that we're not quite sure how to handle. God is enabling us through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the proclamation that Jesus is Lord. Now, I'm going to First off, I want us to see how the beginning of this letter is so important to set the tone for the rest of the book. Because I want you to, to notice, he says a very similar phrase to what I say every single morning when we gather. At the end of verse 7, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Every morning when we gather to worship, I begin service by saying grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I do so because that kind of introduction, that kind of calling for us is so important. It, it, it means so much more than just for me to stand up here and say, well, good morning, everyone. Hello, how are you today? Like, that's all fine and dandy, but but the the this introduction is to call us back to the recollection of what it means to be a Christian. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is an extension of myself to you and, and, and likewise to all of you who, who reciprocate that even if you don't say anything saying that, that we are coming together to be even in our diversity and that we are coming not just because we want to not just because it's a good social club but we are coming because of the Lord Jesus Christ now the difficult part for me as I, as I thought about this and as I, I was challenged with this message especially when we were talking about this idea of calling is the fact that Honestly, it's, it's hard some days to, to work with this calling. You, you think that it would be easier as like a pastor to, to work through a calling? But I've been here for three years now. It, it was just this three years this past Thursday that I was officially called here to this church. And there comes a point where you begin to question, okay, have I done everything that I can? Have I taught everything that I, I know how to teach? Am, am I at a point where I am just doing nothing? Just going through the motions? Just, just helping everything continue on as a status quo instead of bringing us closer to the kingdom of God? like a, a rubber stamp of that says you'll never struggle you'll never question what's going on it will still be challenging 
it will still be difficult at times because we, we are constantly growing. And so to deal with a calling is to deal with the changes that constantly are evolving in our lives and adjusting ourselves to them. And I often share that because I want you to know that like, it's difficult. And I want you to know that I don't just stand up here and be like, oh yeah, we're all called to do ministry and it's all peachy keen and, and the things that I'm, I'm saying this from a point of like, hey, everyone should, should be happy about this. It will challenge you at times. But the calling is still there. And God is always saying, I'm going to be here. I'm going to help. I'm going to enable you through this to do exactly what I need you to do. And so I want us, as we close out this, this fourth Sunday of Advent, as we begin this final week towards Christmas Eve and Christmas Day where we proclaim the birth of our Savior, I want us to think about this idea of living in anticipation, living hoping and believing that Christ is going to come again in such a way that we realize this call to proclaim Christ as our Lord must bear itself out in all these different aspects of our lives. To realize that when we say that Christ is our Lord, it means that financially, what am I doing with my money to demonstrate with my time, what am I doing to demonstrate that? With the priorities that I place on family or on work, where am I declaring that Christ is Lord? What has changed from that versus the way the world operates in those ways? And if any of that doesn't line up, if any of that begins to say, hey, you know what, maybe I need to adjust this. Realize that that calling is going to be helped along. That you can make those adjustments because Christ is with us. Guiding us, enabling us to make those changes. To live in this new reality of Christ. As we continue to today I ask that Stan can come up and, and play for us a bit um, we want to remember all those who are sick um, we have quite a few people still who are out sick that were, were telling us uh, whether it's stomach flu or COVID or, or uh, just the, the whatever is going on that happened last week especially um, we want to be in prayer for those people who are, are not feeling well we want to continue to lift up Stan and Vicki and their family with the loss of Linda. We also want to be praying for Kay's mom as they'll begin cancer treatment. Uh, I know that Kay says they have some treatment that's down in Ann Arbor, but then they're also going to Chicago for some treatment. And so be in prayer for them, not just for the treatment itself, but for all that driving, especially on winter roads. And so let us come together and let us pray to the Lord to pray about this, this idea of calling 
to, to hear. For some of us, it may be a, a new idea to, to consider that Jesus is Lord and what that means in our lives. And so we're just beginning to hear that call. For some of us, it may have been there for a long time, but we, we are readjusting our ears to hear better what that means. Let us pray together for one another that we might hear this call to proclaim Christ as Lord in our lives. So let us pray this morning. As we come to the festival of Jesus' birth, let us pray that we hear God's word clearly and receive the faith that God gives, saying, God, who is with us, hear our prayer. Holy One, who astonishes us with surprising gifts, we pray for your church and for your people of faith in every language and belief, that your wisdom will show us our common life, and that all people may rejoice in that in what you create. Oh God, who is with us, hear our prayer. Giver of the stars and planets, creator of rivers and oceans, and creatures large and small, we pray for wisdom as we live on and with your earth, Evoke in us awe for your goodness in these familiar surroundings. Our hills and valleys, our forests and deserts. That the powers you have placed here to move through soil and air will remind us always of your bounty and your love. O oh God. We pray for the leaders of governments in every nation. We especially pray for those who are at war, who are using the people of their nation as chess pieces to gain more power, to gain more land. And we pray that they may have wisdom to choose what serves the common good. We pray for all those we too easily forget. Those of your children who are poor or homeless or in prison. Those who are sick or lonely or frightened. All who hunger for faith and hope. Care for them that we may be strengthened by joy in your healing. O oh God who is with us, hear our prayer. Holy One, in whose community we fly, we pray for those with whom we share our daily lives, our families, friends, and neighbors, those with whom we work and play, those whose names we do not know 
to provide for us, that we may all be renewed, encouraged, and nurtured in hope. O God, who is with us, hear our prayers. I pray, Lord, specifically for those who are sick within our church today who cannot be with us as we gather. Bring healing to their bodies, Lord. Protect them from greater illness, especially those who continue to battle COVID and these flus. I pray for the teachers that they might get rest in this break so that as they come back to school, they might be reinvigorated to teach the students. Lord, I pray for those who are facing cancer. I pray for Kay's mother specifically that you be with them, protect them on the road, and continue to bring healing to her home. Lord, continue to guide us as a church. May we learn what it means to embrace this calling of yours. To understand the, the power and the change that comes when we profess you as our Lord. Help us with the changes that that requires within our lives as we are transformed Sustainer of your people, we give you thanks for members of the body of Christ in every age and every place who, by their witness, bring us here today. Come to us in Christ our God, that we who live in this world by faith may see the faith confirmed in the world to come through the risen one who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. All that we have is the Lord's. All that we may become and receive is in God's hands. For the sake of the joy that is ours, then our bonds grow deep with others. Let us give generously for the well-being, then, of this world. If I could have a few individuals come up from the ushers.
special song. Uh, one, I, it was it was a little challenging for us last minute as a as a praise and worship team to put together, but I still wanted us to sing it. It's a it's called uh, uh, "Come, People, the Risen King," and so let us close out this service with this song. Church of Christ, we.
people of God, do not be afraid. Listen to the word of the Lord who promises to be with us in every age. Spread this word to those who live without hope. Live this word as people who know God with us. Emmanuel. Now let the face of God shine upon you to bless you and save you from all doubt and danger through Jesus Christ, now and always. Go in the grace of God. God bless you. Woohoo!